many people ever heard of Lieutenant Horu Anoda? Okay, a couple of people. Pretty famous person. Obviously not so much here, but especially in Japan, very, very famous person. So I want to tell you a little bit about his story tonight, and I'm going to read some things because I don't want to get it wrong. So I'm going to read this uh, and tell you a little bit about his story. That's him up here. And one of his, one of his buddies, who's a soldier, fellow soldier, he went into the war, Second World War, in 1944. That's a pretty significant year for the Second World War. What happened in 1944? Yeah, it was over. It finished, right? I mean, essentially, 44 is when it finished, when they ceased hostilities eventually. But that's not what he did in 1944. He was sent to his post in the Philippines. And he was sent by his division commander. He was actually well-trained. He had prepared for war. Now, it's important to understand that the Japanese heard terrible things about the Americans. Terrible things. We were horrible people. Never let yourself be captured by the Americans. Never give in. Don't ever tell them anything. Matter of fact, they were all trained to kill themselves were, you know, that situation to occur. Don't let yourself be captured. Whatever you do, you cannot do that. And they heard about how horrible we were as a people and what terrible things we did. Because of that, they tried to not just defeat us, but they also attempted to demoralize us. So Japanese officers would often do something that we still see today in terrorism. They would behead the leaders of their enemies. They would do that right in battle. They would take them captive, then they would, they would behead them in front of their people with swords. It was to take the wind out of their sails. It was to stop them from continuing wanting to fight. To take away their will to fight was the plan. Well, when he was taken to his post and left by his, uh, by his commander, he was told the following thing. He said, you are absolutely forbidden to die by your own hand. It may take three years, it may take five, or even longer. But whatever happens, we will come back for you. Until then, so long as you have one soldier, you are to continue to lead him. You may have to live by eating coconuts. If that's the case, eat coconuts. Under no circumstances are you to give up your life voluntarily. Don't, don't give up. No matter what anybody says, do not give up. Nobody really understood, including this commander, how literally this guy was going to take what he was told to do. So shortly after he started to serve and do what he did, there started to be a real change in the war. But now you got to go back. He did not have... A cell phone, right? He was on a he was on foreign soil. He was in enemy territory. He did not have a good means of communication. At that time, they didn't have a way to even 
even communicate with radios at the distances that we're talking about. He's on an isolated island off by himself in an important position. There was an airfield there, and he was told to guard that until he was relieved of his command. Eventually, all the other people that had gone with him, which was a pretty sizable group, were either killed or captured. He ended up with four people under his command. That was it. They ran off into the hills. He saw a leaflet in October of 1945 that told him that the war was over. It said the war has ended. Come down from the mountains. But as he sat in the jungle with his people, the leaflet to him and to his men just did not make sense. Because this would have had to mean that the Japanese had surrendered. And he knew his people. And he knew what he was commanded to do. And so he knew they would never surrender. So he just didn't buy it. So he ignored that information. And he decided to continue to fight and do what he was supposed to do. What he had been sent there to do. Over the years, as time went on, things happened to some of the men with him. In 1949, Akatsu, one of his... One of his soldiers wanted to surrender, but but he would not let him. Anoda said, no, you can't do it. So finally, he just walked away. He just, he just took off on his own and ended up, you know, basically turning himself into authorities and was taken care of from that point forward. Then other men with him, the, the three other guys, one of them gets shot and killed. One of them gets injured and he keeps nursing him back to help. Help. He gets shot again and they're getting shot by the, the police officers in the town that they're up in the hills above. They will go down into town. They will sometimes, uh, they killed a couple of cows at some point because they got so hungry. They ate bananas and coconuts most of the time. Finally, in October of 1972, at the age of 51, after 27 years, after the war was over, things started to get pretty bad. And so he thought about quitting at that point. His only other soldier with him ended up being killed, so he ended up alone. A young man named Suzuki traveled from Japan because he had heard this rumor about Anoda. There was a myth that there was still a Japanese soldier alive in the Philippines. So Suzuki, a college student who had flunked out of college, says, road trip, and so he goes to the Philippines. And his plan is to find Anoda. So he does it. And he starts talking to people, and the Philipp, you know the Philippine people said, you know, yeah, there, there, there's a guy somewhere up there, but we're not going up there because he'll shoot you. And so he goes up, and he uses some Japanese battle cries to attract Anoda, and Anoda comes down to find out if he's a soldier that's been sent to relieve him of his duty. And he says, no, but the war is over. Well, Anoda won't believe him. He says, I don't believe it. You're, you're lying to me. 
And so finally, a notice says, if you send my commanding officer up here, I'll come down. So he goes back to Japan, Suzuki does, and he finds Major Taniguchi, who was the commander, who's now owns a bookstore in, in his hometown. And he says, I know it's still alive and he wants to talk to you. And the guy can't believe it. He cannot believe it. But he remembers the promise he made that I will come and get you. So he does it. And he goes to the Philippines. He goes up into the hills. He finds Anoda and he talks him down. This is when, this is when Anoda's response, when he finally figures out from his commander that the war has been over for almost 30 years. He said, we really lost the war? How could we have been so sloppy? He said, when I found this out, he wrote this in a book that he later, you know, made, made pretty good money off of. He said, suddenly everything went black. A storm raged inside me. I felt like a fool for having been so tense and cautious all this time. Worse than that, what had I been doing for all these years? Why had I been doing what I was doing? Gradually, the storm inside of me subsided, and for the first time, I really understood my 30 years as a guerrilla fighter for the Japanese army was over. This was the end. But now, what was I going to do? So I pulled back the bolt on my rifle, and I unloaded all the bullets from it, and I took the pack off of my back, and I laid the gun on top of it. Would I really have no more use for this rifle that I'd polished and cared for like a baby all these years? Or Kazuka's rifle, this is one of his men, which I'd hidden in a crevice in the rocks? Had the war really ended 30 years ago? If it had, what was Shimada and Kazuka, what did they die for? If that was what was happening, if what was happening was really actually true, it would have been better for me if I'd just died with them. It's just an incredible thing to consider. In the years that this man was in the hills with these other soldiers, they ended up killing 30 Filipino people. They injured over 100 just from fighting with anybody that came to them. When he finally got back to Japan, he was hailed a hero. And his story is really an incredible one when you stop and consider all that he did. And I just... I love these pictures. I wanted to read this, but let's look at some of these pictures. The Japanese were very ready to fight. They were prepared, and they, didn't, they were told never to surrender. And so they believed that their people would never surrender. And that's a logical thing to think. This is when his commander finally goes back up and finds him. He still has all of his government-issued stuff. He went in as a 20-year-old. He's 51 when his commander comes and finds him. Think about that. His whole, his whole life, his whole really active working part of his life, he is a soldier in a battle that doesn't actually exist. Here he is when he's, when he's given up. And the other guys, and he talks about this in his book, that some of the other guys thought it was you know, funny that he, that he thought this, that he was clueless and he was lost up in these woods. But he, as you can tell by this picture, he's very serious. Matter of fact, when he gets back to Japan, even though he's celebrated as a hero, he has a hard time accepting that his country has become so soft and weak. 
and he's angry with them, and he ends up leaving Japan and moving to Brazil, where he starts a ranch. Really interesting story, this guy's whole life. He ends up as a, as a much older man. He lives to be 91. And in his 70s, he goes back to Japan, and he starts a school for training kids how to live the way that real Japanese people should live. He never forgot what it was that he was taught when he was young. This is him when he's coming back out of the, up off of the, the island there with his commander. And this is him when he gets home. He was a very celebrated person. It's an incredible story when you think about it. Well, what on earth does that have to do with us? Well, are we living like we've won? I want you to think about that for a second. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 8 if you're not already there. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through, the, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. We do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So, there's a message, and Scripture teaches us this, all of Scripture, Old Testament and New. One of the places that it always comes to me to really be real is when you read Revelation, which is imagery, but it talks about a battle. And there's going to be this huge battle. It talks about a spiritual battle. Other passages talk about that too. Second Corinthians has some passages that talk about that. That there's, there's spiritual warfare happening all around us that we can't see with our eyes. But it's happening anyway. There's a war going on. Now answer this for me out loud if you would. Who has won the war? Yeah, God, Christ. Christ has won the war for us. Now, there's not a war anymore. Really, the war that happens is not, is not this big war that we see happening, but it's individual. It's individual in the sense that we have to decide whose side we're on. Now, if we're God's people, what this is telling us is we're victorious. We don't have to be afraid. We've already won. It's great. It's exciting. But the world is full of people like Anoda who don't realize that there's a way out. They don't know that there's a way to escape. There's a way out of this. You don't have to keep fighting. The battle's been won. You can just, you can just give in. And the minute that you give in and give up your, your arms, your weapons, the minute that you sacrifice yourself, you win. It's so great. But they fight, don't they? Do you see people do that? 
Do you see them fighting? What are they fighting for? Well, they're fighting for control of their life. They're fighting to have things their way. They're fighting because they're mad, because things have not turned out like they imagined. Matter of fact, some of them are mad at the Lord. Some of them are mad at God for not having things in their life go the way that they want. And the whole time, they're like this lost Japanese soldier who hasn't read the leaflet that tells them it's been accomplished. It's been done. The war's over. Quit fighting. You, you can give in. It's going to be good for you. The Japanese people who ended up conquered ended up in much better situations eventually than they were typically at the end of the war because most of them were starving to death. Many of them, especially, that were in distant places from Japan, that were in the islands and other places, their lives were really, really hard. Those soldiers had a really hard time. Many of them died not believing that the war was over. Anoda is special because he lived. He found a way to survive. But when you think about his story, it's really... It's a horribly sad story. The man spent his life fighting a battle that wasn't real. And he never could be victorious. There was no way for him to win. How many people in our world does that define? They're fighting a battle. They want enough stuff. They want enough position. They want enough power. They want to get to a place in life where everything, eventually, if I do it, it's going to be great. Everything's going to be good at that point. I'm going to get there. It's never going to happen. It doesn't exist. You can't do it. It's not possible. Even if you win in this life, if you become a billionaire many times over and you have more money than anybody in the world, it's going to all go away the minute you die. That's it. It won't mean a thing. It won't save you. It won't help you. It won't bless you. It'll do nothing for you. The wise man talks about that in Ecclesiastes, which you guys studied recently when I was out of town. But the point of that is, he says, you save up all your money and you're going to do something great with it and you die and you give it to your kids and they waste it on sports cars and, you know, houses and, right, whatever. doesn't say that in Ecclesiastes, but, you know, you get the point. The point is you can't keep it. It doesn't work. Verse 28 of chapter 8 of Romans. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. God had a plan, and the plan was Jesus. Now, when was the plan Jesus? Did Jesus come to earth and God said, oh, no, this is not going right. Let me fix this. He has to die on the cross. Is that how it happened? No. The disciples, the apostles thought Jesus was supposed to have an earthly kingdom. But Jesus knew that was never the plan. God had planned Christ from way, way before Christ happened. Because Christ was there with him from the beginning. We learn that in the rest of the New Testament. Jesus, it says, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? What is there to fear? All things are great. It's beautiful. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, 
How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? There's not a promise that it's all going to be easy. There's not a promise that it's going to be simple. But there is a promise that God's going to take care of us, whatever that looks like. He says, whatever difficulty you have to go through here, there's something greater waiting for you. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're conquerors. We're the winners. We're the winners of the battle. And as we go throughout this world, we're running into people that are still waging war. They're still fighting a battle that's already been won. It's a battle over sin. It's a battle for life. It's the battle for something that means more than this world means. That's what we have to hold on to. And we know about it. We know. What would you say to Anoda? You would say to him, listen, listen, don't waste your life doing this. You're going to be sad later. It's not going to mean to you what you think it's going to mean. Your, your people have given up because it's pointless. There's another victor. That's the same message we take to people lost in our world. What are they lost to? All kinds of things. Addictions, problems, selfishness, all kinds of issues. The sin takes all kinds of forms. But the fact is, we are the winners. A sad thing also happened. This was in Saipan. This is called Bonsai Cliff. Bonsai Cliff. Bonsai, you've heard that, right? That's, that was the thing the Japanese said often before they, you know, went into death, before they killed themselves in some horrible way against the enemy. Well, Saipan was being liberated by the Americans. They had food, they had water, they had provisions. These people had gone up into the hills, they were living in caves. Their life was deplorable. It was terrible what they were going through. And so the Americans came to liberate these civilians. The Japanese soldiers with them said, do not let the Americans take you captive. And so hundreds and hundreds of people jumped off these cliffs. They jumped off to their death. Just in huge crowds, just jumping off the cliffs to avoid the rescue that was going to liberate them from their horrible issues they were living in. Now, there were some bad things that happened to the Japanese after we conquered Japan. And I'm not saying that everything that happened historically was good for the Japanese people. But there was a life after war. And the same is true for people in our world. If you live in this world and you go through and do some of the things that, that happen in this world, sadness can come. Hard times can happen. But there's a good thing waiting on the other side. Two passages and then, then the lesson's yours. First Peter chapter 3 and then Acts chapter 2. 1 Peter 3. 13. First Peter 3.13, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. 
but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Toward who? Toward the enemy. Toward people that are living for themselves every day. People that don't know Christ. People that don't know the truth of God's word. People that live in a world that might say horrible things to you. They might accuse you of things. They might talk bad about you. They might try to get you fired from your job. But you know what? We're supposed to love them anyway. We're supposed to stand up for what's right anyway. That's what God calls us to. Just like Anoda. I expect if you walked up into the hills and said, hey, I'm here to help you. Guess what? The war is over. He'd probably shoot and kill you. He did. He did to some people. Nobody could convince him. Sometimes it's hard to convince somebody that it's as good or it could be as good as it is. It's hard for them to believe because they're blinded. They're blinded to the truth of God's word. They don't understand. Acts chapter 2, turn over there. I want you to think about this in light of what we've been talking about. Verse 36, therefore, those who are the enemies of God, therefore, those who have been fighting against Jesus Christ, therefore, you people who have stood up and who yelled, crucify him, crucify him. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified. You were his enemies. But God has made him both Lord and Christ. This was the moment. The battle's been fought. It's been won. Don't be on the wrong side. And then he does something they don't expect. When the people hear this, they're cut to the heart. And I think they're terribly afraid. They realize that this is true. They see the truth of it. And now they're terrified that God's going to kill them all. That's what they're afraid of. They're thinking, do we run to the cliff and jump off? Is this terrible? But the message that comes back is fantastic. Peter says, listen, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God wants to take care of you. You fought against him. You crucified his son. But now he wants to liberate you from your sin. Think about that. That's what we get to do. We get to carry a message to people. The war's over. It's been won. You were on the wrong side, but it's okay. We've got provisions. We've got a way to care for you. The grace of God's available. You don't have to live without that. Isn't that a great message? Will you think about Anoda this week? Will you think about that? Fighting away up in the hills. That describes a lot of the people that we have in our life. A lot of the people that we know. Some of my neighbors in this neighborhood. People that I've talked to. Hey, would you come to church with us? Uh, I know about churches. I used to go to church years ago. But let me tell you something. There's some bad things in this world, and if there was really a God, I don't think those things would have happened. Right? They're fighting. You go up to tell them, hey, you could be liberated from this war, and they're taking shots at you. Right? It happens. Yet our job is very clear. God wants us to help bring victory to those that are lost and hurting and going through terrible things. 
Think about what you would say to somebody that was absolutely, utterly lost. And tell them, victory, victory's come. You can be a part of that. You can have a different life. It doesn't have to be like it's been. It can be different. Do you want it to be? Tonight, do you want it to be? Can we offer you this victory? God offers it. It's not us. It's his plan. It's his son. It's his blood that washes us and makes us right. If we can help you tonight, why don't you come while we stand and sing?